That was a short clip of a video that was sent to us by LifeWater International. LifeWater International was the organization that we partnered with as a church to uh, build a well and put a well in Africa. And uh, they sent us that video uh, to say, look what your money did. And so I was so uh, thrilled when I got that video and I wanted to show you guys because it's amazing. Now, for those of you who weren't around Generation Church when we were raising money for the well, this is basically what we did. We said, bring us your loose change and we had these big old water pots and uh, these water bottles and we put our change in there. Then we had a competition between the guys and the girls. Unfortunately, the girls won, but it was all for a good cause. Um, and we raised this money. We raised uh, almost $6,000 and we were able to, to send it over to Life Water International and uh, that is the result of the money. And so I want to say to you guys, because of you, there is a, there is a town in Africa that now has clean drinking water. That is uh, completely amazing that we can just get some loose change together and we can help change the lives of hundreds of people in a village uh, in Africa. And because of you, there is a party uh, several thousand miles southeast of us um, and there is a party in a town because now there is hope uh, for tomorrow. There is a chance to survive. There is uh, a, a town that now will not have as many uh, uh, diseases as maybe what they had before, and their kids now can grow up healthy because you decided to give of your loose change. Just imagine for a moment, that was just a couple of dollars that we put in, some of us put, put maybe a little bit more in, but it didn't break the bank at all. And so we just came together. It didn't really affect our lives, change our lives. But we were able to change the lives of hundreds of people because we decided just to send a few dollars to a village in Africa. You know, on August 10th this year... It was my birthday, and uh, it wasn't a very significant birthday, but uh, in the modern age of social media, your email blows up on your birthday because you get all these Facebook pings because like all these people have posted on your Facebook walls. And so there was tons of people, so I decided this year I'd just say thanks to every one of them. So it took me like a while. I was like, after 10, I was like, why did I say decide to do this? But if I do it for one, i got to do it for all of them. And so I was so thankful. And then on August 12th this year, it was my wedding anniversary. So it was my 11th wedding anniversary. And so two days very close to each other, that is a big celebration for me. And so while I got a lot of people saying happy birthday and try celebrating with me on August 10th, and then there was a celebration August 12th, the real celebration for me was actually August 11th. And so that night on August 11th, just early in the evening, I was going to make a Facebook post. Because I was going to thank everybody for the messages that they sent, sent me on August 10th and how thankful that I was for the birthday of my physical birth. But I wanted to express that on August 11th, it was my birthday of my spiritual birth. Because on August 11th, 1987, I decided to commit my life to Jesus Christ and I became born again of the Spirit of God. And so I wanted to tell people just basically how much I was celebrating on that day because Christ had changed me and Christ had forgiven me and I'd received the hope of Jesus Christ. So I started to write out this post. And the whole point of the post was, was to tell people about what Christ had done in me, but also how 
how I came to that place to give my life to Jesus Christ. You see, I was at a kids camp at the time. And as I was at that kids camp, I heard for the first time or I understood for the first time that Jesus Christ loves me for just the way I am. And he has forgiven me of my sins. And and because he has forgiven me of my sins, he went to the cross at a, a mount or a hill called Calvary and gave his life for me. And because he gave his life for me, then in return, I'm going to give my life back to him. And I started to understand on that day. And I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And in the post, I had written, if you are a kids worker, if you work in uh, kids ministry in any way at all, what you are doing is not in vain because you are helping to shape the next pastors and missionaries uh, for, for the next generation to come. And so all that you do is not in vain. So I wrote this long post and I was about to hit post. And as I hit post, I got interrupted. And so something urgent came up, so I had to deal with it, and I forgot about my post, and I started going on in the day. And about 11 o'clock at night came, and I fell asleep. And uh, then I woke up, I don't know, like 12.30, and I went up to bed because I'd fallen asleep in the chair downstairs. And I woke up on the 12th, and I thought, oh, man, I forgot to post it, and it's too late now. I'm going to have to wait a whole other year before I do that post. And I suddenly realized, I mean, it's all very well writing something on Facebook and spending like a long time writing something so that people can understand. But if you don't hit post, then what's the point? How many of you have ever written like a really long email and you forgot to hit send? Anyone here? Just a few of you. I mean, like, like you people are perfect. Whatever. <laughs> So, I mean, oh, you've written a long text message and then suddenly you forget to hit send and someone's like, didn't you get my text message? You're like, no. And you're like, oh man, I hit, forgot to hit send. See, it's all very well writing this stuff, but if we don't hit send, then there's no point. The most important button in email is send. The most important button on your text message is send. The most important button on your Facebook or your Instagram account is post. It, 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 if we don't send stuff, then there is no point in doing it at all. And I believe that send is one of the most important words in the kingdom of God. And we th- see throughout the New Testament that the word send or sent is all the way through it. There were people who were sent from their home in, into other villages, into other, other towns, other countries, other nations. They were sent to go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. There, there were people who, who sent money to others to help them and support them. There was others who sent prayers to heaven so that they could help support others who were in a far away land. There was the word send or sent was throughout the New Testament. And as the church started to form 2,000 years ago, this word sent was at the forefront of their minds. And just like when someone, uh, someone sends an email or sends a text message or they make a Facebook post, if we do it all and we don't send it, then the work is for nothing. And we could create a most amazing church. We could have a killer kids ministry where kids want to go there instead of wanting to go to Chuck E. Cheese or wherever else they want to go. We, we could create soul-engaging worship services where everyone's like, man, the music is sick. I mean, like, in a good way. We could create community events where we just connect and we have such authentic community. And, 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 and people are, are building strong friendships. But if we don't hit the send button of faith, 
then it's all in vain. Send is one of the most important words in the Bible. Because that's what we're here to do. We are here to send, to go. And so we've got a a young man in our church who has decided to hit the send button of faith on his life. I'm so excited. Uh, He he shared his story with me and shared what he was doing. And I was so excited that I was like, you guys have to hear what what he is doing. Because when people decide to make a step of faith, then we as a church, we need to celebrate that. Uh, And we need to get behind those people and we need to support those people. So this morning, I'm going to introduce you to you, Chad Tragesser. So Chad, if you want to come up and uh, I'm going to do a very quick just answer, um, question and answer session with Chad. Chad, and you guys are going to hear all that Chad uh, is going to do. So let's give Chad a big old generation of welcome. There we go. You can take your seat there, Chad. So Chad, just tell us just briefly just a little about, about yourself, how long you've been at Generation Church, and kind of what God has been doing in your life. Uh, yes, yeah, so my name's Chad, and uh, my family's been living in the Bel Air area for about 10 years now. So I went to school at Patterson Mill, graduated from the University of Maryland. You were first graduating class, right? Time first graduating class at Patterson Mill. Um, so that was pretty pretty cool experience. Um, and I've been coming to Generation Church since about December. Uh, my parents had been coming a few months before that. So once I moved back to the area, joined up with them here. Cool, cool. So uh, kind of what's, what's been going on in your life and, you know, what, what are you going to be going to do? Sure. Uh, so the past two years, uh, I was working with a ministry called Crew uh, in Brisbane, Australia, working on the university campuses. Um, so I've come back and have transitioned now to full-time staff, so more of a long-term commitment than what I was doing uh, before. So this time, I'll still be with Crew, but going to Melbourne, Australia. Okay, so t- tell us just what Crew stands for. Uh, Crew was formerly known as Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, so they just shortened the name. Um, and it's essentially a ministry that seeks to fulfill the Great Commission, um, it functions in a lot of different capacities, different sub-ministries, uh, but the one that I personally work with uh, is, is sort of its largest one, and that's the university ministry, mm-hmm. trying to connect students uh, with, with a chance to, to hear the gospel, respond, and grow sure. from it. Yeah. So, so just tell us a little about your background in crew and how you started with, with, with them. Sure. Uh, when I went off to college at the University of Maryland, um, I had heard about crew because they have a, a movement down there. And I thought I would check it out as a, just a chance to have some sort of community uh, after moving away from home. Uh, so I got involved with them right away. And I, w- I was really just struck by the genuine love that the people my age had uh, for each other and for, for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something that was unique that I hadn't seen much of before. And it was something that I just wanted to explore and see what is it uh, about these guys that are different. So mm-hmm. got involved eventually stepped into leadership and, and was putting these different opportunities to help me grow, uh, help me learn how to communicate my faith and share my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, yeah, just put me in opportunities to, to pass it on to yeah. other students my age too. Yeah. So, so you said, so you went from university and then you went to, to two years in Brisbane, Australia. Yes. Yep. So kind of what was kind of some of the stuff that you were doing there? Um, so it, it varied depending on the campus that I was at. I was at a couple different campuses. Um, but it really boiled down to three principles of win, build, and send. Uh, so essentially win, we want to see people won for Christ. So we did a lot of evangelism, a lot of outreaches, uh, training students who were involved with us to 
uh, give them some skills to be able to communicate their faith with their classmates and their roommates and the people that they're spending their lives with um, at university. So a lot of it was very evangelistic in mm -hmm. nature. Uh, and then there was build. Uh, we wanted to see students built up in their faith um, to give them the foundations uh, for what they believe, help them mature, um, and then also train them to be able to lead on campus, lead Bible studies, disciple students. Um, so a lot of that was done through discipleship, one-on-one uh, -on -one discipleship, group discipleship, uh, small groups, things like that, just community-based events to help them grow. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the last is send, um, that we didn't want students to, to just come and, and have a good experience for four years, but uh, we want students to, who come through crew to be able to graduate and be sent uh, to wherever they go in life, whether that's full-time ministry or for the majority of them, um, you know, just being sent in, in their lives, in their workplace, in their families, uh, to be able to come to a church and, and really serve and lead within yeah. the church too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you spent two years there, and now you and you were just interning, right, at that time? Yeah. 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 So now you actually go on full-time staff, and so you're going to go back for to Melbourne, Australia now, right? Yes. Where um, where I grew up in England, and we had a lot of Australian soap operas. And I used to actually watch Australian soap operas, and they're all based in Melbourne, Australia. So, like, I have an affinity with Melbourne, Australia, because it reminds me when I was a kid and I used to watch soap operas. So the Lord saved me from that now, so I don't watch soap operas anymore. <laughs> Days of our lives suck. So, <laughs> so, uh, um, so Melbourne, Australia. So now you're going for like a, a two-year term, or what again, or, or how is it? Now? Um, essentially, it's ongoing. Mm -hmm. uh, start out with a, it'll be about a four-year commitment, um, and then once those four years are up. Uh, it's just really a time to evaluate, um, is the Lord calling me to stay in Melbourne or yeah. uh, move on somewhere else with crew? Essentially, it's um, I envision myself with crew, but crew is all over the world. Uh, I think they have a presence in nearly every single country. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's always opportunities to go and yeah. to, to send. So for now, it'll be a couple years yeah. in Melbourne, and then there's always a chance of longer. So let me ask you, why Australia? Uh, that's a good question. Australia. I mean, I'm sure your mom's really happy about it, right? I yeah. mean, Australia, you know, it's a long way away. Right. Um, Australia has this, uh, I think, unique mixture of great need with great opportunity. Um, the population as a whole, there's about 23 million people in Australia. Uh, only about 10% of the population are actively involved in church. Uh, and then amongst younger people, my generation, college students, uh, that number is less than 5%. Um, so there's just this vast need of, of uh, people who don't know the Lord. Uh, many of them may not have opposing views to Christianity, but in Australia it's just common to be very apathetic, mm -hmm. where they don't have uh, an opinion on, on many things, um, and they just don't see how it's relevant. So there's this need for people to be there to engage with them, to have conversations with them, ask them questions, just so they can start thinking right. and forming opinions. Um, but then there's also this great opportunity uh, for Australia to play a key role in the Great Commission. Uh, it's, it's in a unique place in the world where uh, there's incredible diversity within the country. A lot, of, a lot of people from Southeast Asia, China, the Middle East, uh, East Africa just come to Australia uh, to study. Uh, the universities there are, are pretty good compared to the region. So it's about 25% of university students in Australia are international. So there's this great need to, to reach the world by being in one place. Um, but then also, Australians themselves uh, are poised to be really great missionaries. They have this innate desire to travel, to uh, have an adventure, to really go and do uh, things. So I think if you can raise up 
uh, a population of believers who really love the Lord and want to share that, um, they're people that can be poised to, to right. go and to, and to be a part of that. That's good. That's good. So uh, kind of what's, what's your timeline looking like? I mean, are you leaving next week? When, when are you leaving? And uh, it's, it's a bit tentative. Uh, every crew staff has to raise up a team of ministry partners. Uh, so people are given financially and through prayer support. So essentially, whenever that comes in for me, I can go. Yeah. Uh, ideally, that would be sometime around the new year. Uh, school year starts in Australia in February, and that's really a crucial time to be there. So that's what I'm aiming for. Right. Um, so hopefully by then. Yeah. So so the team that you're going to go on, how many are in the team, and you know what what will your exact role be sure. within the team? You know. Uh, so there are currently three Australians uh, in Melbourne covering. There's about 250,000 students that we're trying to reach. So three Australians there. Uh, I'll be the only one from America in my role. And then there'll be a handful of um, recently graduated students who are going on a one-year term similar to what I had done uh, before. So I'll be going to, to join up with the Australian team there, um, but then also serve as a, a coach leader to uh, future Americans who come over so I can share the experience that I had and, and help assimilate them into the culture, the ministry, help them blend yeah. uh, the team so there's a cohesive uh, Australian-American team. Sure. And, and Crew's not like a fraternity like some of the other church ministries. It's You're in multiple universities, right? There. Yeah. yeah. So our, our yeah. scope uh, is, is the entire city, mm-hmm. um, and we essentially function as like a club uh, on campus. So okay. we, we run through uh, whatever body in the university functions, the, runs the clubs, and we put on events and, and things like that, like clubs sure. would do. Yeah, yeah, neat. So what, what can we do as a church to help you? Yeah, um, I guess there are two big things, um, and, and that's essentially comes under the idea of being ministry partners, uh, to have people come alongside me uh, with prayer support and also financial support. Um, so prayer support, I send out monthly newsletters uh, over email just uh, with a story or two of what God's doing on campus, and then ways that you can pray uh, for that. So if you're interested in that, I have a, I have a display back at the, the sign-up table, um, and there's a piece of paper where you can write down your name and email. Uh, but then the other key thing is through financial support. Um, but uh, ultimately, I would just love to, to be able to meet up uh, with each of you guys one-on-one, share more about what I'm doing, how I've got, you know, sort of led to this point, uh, more about crew, uh, and then also what it might look like to partner. But it's really no commitment in the meeting. It's just a chance to learn more information. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I would encourage you guys, invite Chad, you know, for coffee or dinner or, you know, he likes Australian meat pies. So if you can find one, then uh, yeah, he's a good man. Uh, but no, I mean, we had a chance to sit down and really talk about what he's doing. And it's just, it sounds just great what he's going to be doing. And, and, and when somebody decides to make a step of faith, you know, for God, it's it, it's a huge deal. I mean, it's a big deal. It's not like he decided to move to Alabama, you know. And even though I think I'd rather move to Australia than Alabama, but um, but uh, it, you know, it's he's moving halfway across the world. His family's not going to be around him, and it's not like they can get on a two-hour f- flight and get there. It's uh, it's it, it's going to be challenging. But you know, God's. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in and through you, Chad, and stuff. So I think we got some pictures, right, of the last tour that you you were yeah, on. Yeah, just quickly, just quickly, uh, just walk us through kind of what we're seeing on these. So what what is that? So that is a kangaroo uh, selfie with a kangaroo. Um, so you, you see a lot of those types of pictures, not kangaroos, because they don't exist in the city. Uh, these are a handful of the guys that I got to disciple over the past two years. 
uh, from first years to graduating seniors. Um, it, was, it was a really cool opportunity to do that. That is me in front of the Melbourne skyline. So Melbourne's a really cool city, uh, very big, metropolitan, very artsy. Uh, like you said, they do a lot of TV there, but very artsy, a lot of coffee, foodie type of stuff. Uh, that is from one of our, uh, what's called an O-Week stall. So at the beginning of the year, they have what's called O-Week. So new students come through, learn about where their classes are, and then all the different clubs and societies have tables uh, where they get to advertise what they're doing. So we do surveys here just to let people know that we're there, uh, find out if there's anybody that wants to know more about Christianity so we can meet up with them and talk to them some more. Uh, but then also gives believing students who are coming in a chance to to know that there is a group out there if they want to get involved. Uh, that is two of our students on the outside are praying uh, with another student on a, a summer project. So we offer up sort of short-term local missions trips at the end of the year. So our students will go uh, to different areas and um, grow in their faith, be trained uh, in how to share their faith. And then a lot of times at night go out and share their faith with uh, other people who, in this case, it was a, a beach town called the Gold Coast where a lot of graduating high school seniors were going to celebrate graduating high school through partying and drinking and drugs and stuff like that. Um, so these two are, are praying with this one guy. And that is the team uh, that went this past year uh, to that summer project. So that's in Brisbane and really thriving there. So it was a really cool opportunity. Neat. So um, just one more thing, um, so university students, you know, why do you think it's so important that, you know, you reach them at that moment when they're at university, not maybe after they've graduated from university? Uh, I think university is this uh, key development time for a lot of people. Um, for a lot of them, it's a chance where they're first away from their family, um, but it's also a place where they're just open to, to learning, uh, I guess they're hearing a lot of different ideas and philosophies and uh, interacting with people that maybe they've, from backgrounds that they've never interacted with before. So it's just this uh, blend of diversity and newness that they're just open to. Um, so it, it's a great opportunity to meet people at a stage of life where a lot of times what they learn in university will shape their lives for the rest mm -hmm. of their lives. Um, so it's important, I think, to be there to, to offer up uh, the gospel, offer up truth um, so that they can respond to that. Also, university students are, uh, they just have a tremendous amount of free time, so it's a great opportunity <laughs> for them to, uh, to get involved, to, to lead in a capacity that they might not be able to, because uh, you know, once they graduate, they'll right. go have jobs and lives and things get busy, so it's this time where they're, everybody's in one place. You, know, you have class for a couple hours a day, but then you just have a bunch of free time, yeah. um, so it's just a great opportunity to actually get involved. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Chad, thanks, man. We're excited for you, excited for what God's going to do in and through you, and uh, we can't wait to hear the stories of, of uh, what God's going to do. So, uh, Lord bless you. Let's give Chad a round of applause. Thanks, man. We just, just, just to let you know, we decided as a church, we're taking Chad on as one of our missionaries, and uh, we think uh, it's important to uh, help the people at Generation Church. And like I said, I can't wait to see how the kingdom of God is going to be impacted because Chad decided to make a step of faith 
and move halfway across the world to reach people. Everyone thinks that Australia's like got lots of Christians, pe- lots of Christian people, because there's a church called Hillsong. And but the reality is, you heard in five percent of people who are university age are actually actively attending church on a Sunday morning. It's very similar to how things are going, especially here on the East Coast. So the, the need is huge, and the need is great. And I believe part of our responsibility here at uh, as a church, uh, as, as a church of Jesus Christ, is partake, to partake in what I call the ministry of giving and to, to be able to, to, to give to people who are not part of our community or who have gone out of our community. And when we can send people out of our community, one of the very first things that we did as a church before we ever had a public service was to take on a missionary and start to support missionaries because we believe that that life, church life, isn't just about us here. It's also about others who are ministering out in the four corners of the world as well. And I just very quickly want to just share with you the Apostle Paul. He talked to a church in the city of Corinth about the ministry of giving and, and being able to give to those who are not part of uh, who, who are not part of our church body or those who have gone out from our church. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1 to 5. He says, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem, for I know how eager you are to help. And I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. But I am sending these brothers to to be sure you really are ready. As I have been telling them, and that your money is all collected, I don't want to be wrong in boasting about you. We would be embarrassed not to mention your own embarrassment if some of the Macedonian believers came with me and found out that you weren't ready after all I had told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. So this is what happened. There's a church in Corinth who have made a pledge to help the church in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem at this time was suffering and that they were financially in a dire situation. And so the church at Corinth, they decided they wanted to partake in what Paul called the ministry of giving to help the church in Jerusalem. And Paul started telling others about what the church in Corinth were doing and they started joining in as well in this. Now, what I'm going to talk to you today, just very briefly, is not about money. So don't, get, don't think this is a money talk. This is all about mission and being able to help those who have gone out or the, those who are in other parts of the world. Now, the city of Corinth was a large cosmopolitan city with many issues. It, it had sin that was rampant everywhere. And uh, uh, the, the city of Corinth was actually known as the city of love. Now, we're not talking like Philadelphia, brotherly love. We're talking more like Las Vegas or somewhere like that. Uh, city of love. In fact, there was a term that was, was known in Corinth when men would come into the city from, uh, they would travel into the city uh, for business. They would ask the question, where is the Corinth girl? 
Where is the Corinth girl? It was a common term they used for the multiple of prostitutes that were in the city of Corinth. It was a city that, that was charged sexually. It had many other issues, other gods and other religions that, that were infiltrating the city. Now, the church in Corinth was, was not immune to this. When you look at the letters that Paul wrote to, to the church in Corinth, there was two of them, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. You see that there, the church had many issues. Sexuality had made its way into the church, and many other issues had made its way into the church. If there was a church that needed a missionary to come and help them, it was the church of Corinth. They were the church that was screaming out, saying that our society is so overwhelmed with sin, we need help here. And so if you were a missionary or you were someone who was thinking about going on the mission field, Corinth would have been a great place to go and help the church at Corinth. But what you find here, even though the church in Corinth has so many needs and they need help, they decided or they realized one of their duties as a church was to help other churches. See, just because you have needs in your life or you have needs in your church or your community, it does not mean that you can help other people in their needs and in their community. And so the church of Corinth started to help the church in Jerusalem. Now, I remember when I moved to the United States, many people said to me, Alex, why are you going to the United States? And they were like, why don't you stay here in England? And I, I, I would say to them, as I feel God is calling me, there's a great need in the United States. And they were like, no, there's not a great need in the United States. They're a Christian country. They've got plenty of people themselves who can take care of themselves. We need people here in the United Kingdom. And I had multiple people tell me that. And so I got on the plane thinking, man, well, should I really stay in the United Kingdom? Is there more need in the United Kingdom? And then I arrived here and I realized we may say we're a Christian country, but we are far from a Christian country. There is need here as well. And and so what you see here, you see that Paul starts talking to these people and he starts saying that there is a need in Jerusalem. And if you want to give, then give. Now notice in verse 5 he said this, I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. See, this ministry of giving that the church of Corinth was partaking in wasn't a ministry that they were forcing everyone to do. It wasn't like, we're telling you, when the offering plate comes by, you've got to put money in there. It wasn't a ministry like that. In fact, it was a ministry that was out of the overflow of their heart because of what God had done with them. They had this kingdom mindset that it's not just about their church. It's about the, the, the church uh, with a big C, the worldwide church, and helping different churches. And so Paul says, if you partake in the ministry of giving, this is what's going to happen to you. And this is what the very first thing he says. He says, you are going to be rewarded. You will be rewarded if you partake in this ministry of giving. This is what he says in 2 Corinthians 9 verses 6 to 10. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. 
and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So Paul is saying to them here, he's saying, if you partake in this ministry of giving, this is what's going to happen. God's going to take care of you. God's going to take care of you. Now, I am a witness personally to what we call the law of sowing and reaping. A farmer knows if he plants a seed, he will get a harvest if he plants it in the right soil and he takes care of that seed. And I've discovered in my life some of the worst financial years of my life have been when I've withheld my money from giving it to the work of the Lord. Some of the hardest years of my marriage have been when I've looked more after my own needs than the needs of my wife. Some of the hardest years in my employment have been the years when I've tried to look out for number one instead of bending to my co-workers or my boss and seeing what is best for everyone. Some of the hardest years in my wider family, you know, my greater family, have been the years when I've acted self-righteous and not given others the benefit of the, of the doubt and grace to others. See, when I've discovered when I give to people out of the goodness of what God has given me, then it's like it comes back onto me. And you see, when we send grace, you get grace back. When you send love, you get love back. When you send forgiveness, you get forgiveness back. When you send resources, God resources you. When you send compassion, people are compassionate towards you. When you partake in the ministry of giving, it's like a farmer's seed. What you plant, you will sow. And Paul says here, he says, you will be rewarded, telling these Corinthians. The second thing he tells them, he says that others will be blessed. Others will be blessed. He says this in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11 and 12. He says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So when you decide to hit the send button of, of faith in your life, when you decide to partake in the ministry of giving, the Bible tells us that others are automatically blessed. Others will be blessed because of you. Look at that video we saw of that village in Africa. They were blessed because you decided to give a few dimes and quarters into a big old water jug that really didn't affect your life at all while you were giving that. See, someone who does something out of love understands that they make a difference for the kingdom of God. So Paul tells these Corinthians that two things will happen if they partake in this ministry of giving. The first one is the needs of the, the believers in Jerusalem will be met. They had 
dire needs. And by helping them, you are going to bless them because their needs will be met. But the second thing Paul says that that is going to happen is that you are going to help put fuel in the work of the kingdom of God elsewhere. And faith in the church in Jerusalem will be strengthened. It says that they will, they will start to rejoice in God. They will be strengthened. Their faith will be strengthened because of what you have done. And when they have stronger faith, they will be able to do more and more for the purposes of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. So by giving, by partaking in this ministry of giving, others are being blessed. Others are being strengthened and faith is increased throughout all the corners of the world. The third thing that Paul says is that Christ will be exalted. Christ will be exalted. In verse 11 again, uh, he says this, he says, that just the, the last part of verse 11. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. And then verse 13, he says, as a result of your ministry, they will give God the glory. They will give God the glory. See, what will happen is that they will start to exalt God. See, I believe that we were created to worship God. I believe our number one reason in life was, well, our number one purpose in life was to worship God. And so by partaking in this ministry of giving what you are doing, you are helping others fulfill the purpose of their life. And if you've ever experienced purpose in your life, you know life has a whole new meaning. The other thing that happens when you exalt God is that that others are drawn onto God as well. John chapter 12 and verse 32, Jesus says, And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. Now, Jesus at this moment, he was talking about being put on a cross and being lifted up on a cross. But it also uh, is the case that when we lift Christ up in worship or we lift Christ up in our lives, in our marriages, in raising our kids, in, in the work that we do, when we lift Christ up, then others are drawn to him and the work of the kingdom of God continues. And then the final thing that we see what happens from this ministry of giving is that the church is strengthened. The church is strengthened, verses 13 and 14 of 2 Corinthians 9. Paul says, as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for the generosity to them. And all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for this gift to wonderful for words. Two things will happen when you partake in the ministry of giving. First one is this. As a church, our reputation will be enhanced. As a church, our reputation will be enhanced. If we want to reach our friends and our neighbors and our community with the good news of Jesus Christ, if we want to go out there and reach them, then we need a good reputation. No one's going to listen to anybody with a bad reputation at all. There's a church out in Missouri called Westboro Baptist Church. Sure, many of you have heard them. I'm sure if you see them on the news, you probably just like want to switch over, but you head down because their reputation has gone before them of being people of hate. And if we do not have a good reputation, 
then people are not going to listen to us. But if we have a good reputation, if we are people who are, are giving of grace and giving of forgiveness and giving of mercy and giving of love and giving of joy and, 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 and we help the needs of our community and we are people of compassion, then people will listen to us when we talk. And this is what Paul is saying says your reputation will go before you. The other thing that will happen is that other churches now will start to pray for you. You will start to become a target for their ministry of giving. It comes full circle altogether. And the church becomes strengthened. And when the church is strengthened, then the kingdom of God is strengthened. And when the kingdom of God is strengthened, lives are changed. Communities are transformed. Marriages are healed. And people find hope in Jesus Christ. So I wonder here today, who here at Generation Church wants to partake in what Paul calls the ministry of giving? I'm not just talking about money here today. I'm talking about all different ways in your life that you can give to other people. You can give grace, maybe when they don't deserve grace. You can give forgiveness when really... They don't deserve to be forgiven. You, you can give kindness when they haven't been kind. You can give compassion to people, sympathy, move to action, really maybe when they don't deserve that. Maybe there are people who are deserve it, deserving of it, and sometimes we, we, we are not moved to, to, to doing anything, but we can give to them. Maybe there is a single mother who just needs some help raising her child. Maybe there is a family who maybe just needs a nice steak dinner to eat because all they've been eating is rice and beans for the last six months. Maybe there is somebody who needs a ride to church. Maybe there is somebody they're just so overwhelmed that they just need help cleaning their house or mowing their yard. It's all part of the ministry of giving and what we're doing for Chad. And, and, and I encourage you, talk to Chad and maybe you, 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 you can partake in the ministry of giving for Chad. Maybe you can be part of his prayer team or you can help him financially to go to Australia. It costs a whole lot of money. They were like the only country in the world that didn't have this like debt crisis when we had. And so if you live there... You need to earn a whole lot of money to actually like have a normal life. It costs a lot of money to live there. Maybe you want to help him out in that way and partake in the ministry of giving. I know there are people in our church right now and you are hitting the send button of faith and you are going out in faith. There are school teachers and you are this term and this year you're going out into schools and you know that you are maybe the only light in that school to show that there is hope in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're a student and you walk the hallways of your school or your college and you realize that that you are somebody who has an opportunity to show people that there is hope in this life. Maybe you, you are on base down at APG or you walk into your office or that boardroom or that conference room or that factory and you walk in there and you know that you are the only one who can show the light of Christ. And you know every day as you step foot through those doors that you are hitting the send button of faith and that you are a representative of Jesus Christ. What can we do for you? What can we do for you so that you can reach your mission field? 
what can we do for you? What are we willing to give of ourselves for the sake of others? What does your ministry of giving look like? What will you do for them?